We're saddling up this pony called the Carolina Outdoors and sure are glad that you're listening. No matter how you're listening, whether it be via the airwaves of WBT Radio early on a Saturday morning, or maybe you're listening to our podcast, Highlights of the Carolina Outdoors. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Barty and we're going to talk a little bit later as Wes Lawson was in preparation for heading out to our North Carolina coast. We're going to get a fishing report from out that way. But before you hear him, you're going to hear me and talk a little bit about a segment that you hear during the week. Monday through Friday, you'll hear on Charlotte at 6 with Mark Garrison, Dirty Restaurant Tuesday and Dirty Restaurant Thursday. And our very own producer here of the Carolina Outdoors, the man that makes us look good for the highlights of the Carolina Outdoors, <laughs> TJ, the DJ Boggs, is one of the uh, reviewers each week with Mark Garrison. He goes in there. We're going to find out a little bit about how that segment occurs as we bring him on right now. TJ Boggs, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Glad to be here. So, TJ, on this Dirty Restaurant Tuesday, you'll go in and you and Mark will uh, share the grades of the state inspectors that go into these restaurants throughout Mecklenburg County and, and other counties in the Charlotte Yeah, we region. go into South Carolina, Union County, the whole thing. So you do that and go in with grades. And, of course, the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, just signed Cam Newton, and you hear all kind of celebrations, but you hear a whole lot of detractors as well. Oh, big time. The same goes for Dirty Restaurant Tuesdays, and it's also done on Thursdays. I hear people go, oh, boy, I don't like knowing that much about the oh, restaurants man. I like going to. Yep. Or, wow, it's good to know that that restaurant is that way or they had a chance to fix it, that sort of thing. So do you hear the same? Because I do out in the community. I, I have felt the same. Where sometimes I'm like, you know what, that restaurant is good enough. I'm gonna go anyways. It's got a, it's got a ninety. You know, there are certain scores I'm not going below. Gotcha. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to a restaurant that there's a seventy eight hanging on the wall. That's a little too much for me. So you know where to draw the line. But uh, my point is you have fans of the knowledge and you have not so much fans of the knowledge <laughs> yeah, of what those scores are. He scared me off from a few places for sure. But I want to delve into your restaurant reviews. Okay. Because I'm always intrigued by how that happens. So oftentimes there's planning that goes into uh, you know you know a segment you plan it all out, you write it up, and then you deliver it through an interview with Mark Garrison. And that's uh, with you going into a restaurant and trying out some of their appetizers or entrees or desserts, and then going on the airwaves of WBT in review. I wanted to know how much you plan each of those visits, or are these restaurants that are on your regular routine because you have been around i mean whether it's uh, mecklenburg county and i mean that in a good way you've been around (laughs) whether it be uh, um you know mecklenburg county york county south carolina gaston county cabarrus county or the like you've been in all of those places in your normal travels 
Are you constantly seeking out new places and new food to review? Absolutely. And it, and sometimes it is Bojangles because yes. maybe they've got a new product on there that I've tried and maybe it's a specific Bojangles that is more consistent than another one. Or But as a rule, I do try my hardest to find a new place, at least new to me. And there's a lot of place, classic places in Charlotte that I have, I don't want to say forced myself to go to, but, you know, stepped out of my normal box to try because of this. And so I've, I've kind of used it as a challenge. We're talking about the segment Dirty Restaurant Tuesdays. TJ Box, who brings it forth on Mark Garrison's Charlotte at 6. TJ, you all have kept the segment going through the pandemic, and I hate to harken back to the, the last you know, 18, 20 months that we've been through, but um, have you noticed your reviews changing with the ways of a restaurant? Curbside has come into play. Big Sonics and, well, all restaurants with takeout, curbside delivery. Uh, many of the dining rooms have been closed. You mentioned Bojangles. A lot of them are closing on Mondays oh, yeah. these days. Uh, menu selection has changed. Have you noticed that? Because you've been doing the, the restaurant reviews for multiple years, but what about the past 18 months? There, uh, More, I guess, within the last six months, I've noticed more of a uh, shortage of things. Uh, the At the beginning of the pandemic, there was you could tell which restaurants had their takeout game ready to go and others it took a little bit for them to kind of adjust and get the curbside takeout and the whole nine but uh yeah i mean you definitely saw a huge and honestly i've changed my habits where i will choose pickup and <laughs> and takeout as opposed to going out even if it's an option. I, I don't know why. I I just like being at home. Have you noticed some leading the charge, like national brands versus local restaurants? Oh, I don't I, I don't know that I've noticed a difference really, uh as, as far as that goes. There ha you know, it's probably about equal where some of the big chains, you know, have it really down to a science and then others are just dropping the ball and then same with local stuff i mean this kind of hit everybody blindsided nobody was expecting to have to go to these links so you know there there was definitely a, a grace period i, I well, would say and there's still been some restaurant expansion surprisingly um, oh absolutely new new places are still opening up and it's which is amazing. But what, So with that, here comes me putting you on the spot. If you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, we've got our producer, TJ Boggs, over there telling us about his Monday through Friday correspondence on Charlotte at 6 with Mark Garrison. Dirty Restaurant is the topic, which includes TJ's reviews of different foods and different restaurants in the Charlotte area. TJ, what's your favorite is that Ooh. fair to ask? Or maybe I'll open it up, generalize just a little bit. What's your favorite type of restaurant to oh, review? Oh, that's easy. I like a Mexican restaurant. Whoa, and that's right. that's nothing fancy, just normal, like, tacos, burritos, 
cheese dip, kind of kind of Mexican food. But uh, there's so many great restaurants in, in Charlotte. I don't know that a Mexican place would be my favorite restaurant. You know what I mean? Uh, as uh, the journalist that you are when you're sharing these reviews, um, is there a least favorite type of restaurant? Oh, man. Well, it's one with a bad score. So, so <laughs> and and I don't eat fish, so I don't go, I don't go to a fish restaurants really. I I don't know. I I try to expand as much as I can. Uh, Charlotte has so much pizza. I'm almost tired of pizza. Well, see, thank you. That's a pretty good one to say. There's and a lot of great pizza. After. Yes, but, but if you're overdosed, so if you've overdosed on it, therefore you don't look forward to reviewing it. And of course, our transplant people love to debate pizza pies oh, yeah. and who's got the best water for the best bread for the <laughs> yeah. best pizza whether you're new york whether you're philadelphia whether whether you're buffalo yeah people like to get in there and and joust that up but southern folks maybe not as much I, and i think we have every kind in charlotte a- any kind of pizza you want we can get it here but that's maybe the least favorite to review, just because. <laughs> just because I've so had it plentiful. so much, yeah. I, f- I feel like it. It's turned into a pizza review. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're sharing your voice early on a Saturday morning for our listeners to the Carolina Outdoors, and also our podcast listenership that are listening to highlights of the Carolina Outdoors. TJ, you mentioned you don't eat fish. And that lends itself to catch and release fishing. Ah. And we oftentimes talk about that. And we've got Wes Lawson, who is out on the water right now, in his preparation before heading out to the North Carolina Southern Outer Banks. I had a little chance to catch up with him in the showroom of Jesse Brown's. Let's have a listen about his preparation for the upcoming adventure. Hey, fall in the Carolinas isn't just about watching the leaves change and the weather get it cooler. Although the weather getting cooler does play a part in our next topic, Bill Barty, with a chance to be in studio Jesse Browns to talk to Wes Lawson a little bit because West East, the Carolina coast, but more specifically the North Carolina coast in this instance, is a hot fall fishery right now. And you're heading out there. What are some of the reports that you've heard about the fishing? Yeah, Bill, this is the time of year where we want to head east, young man, not west. We're going to head east to the Outer Banks, which is, of course, one of the most storied fishing grounds on the Atlantic, either side of the big water. Cape Lookout right now is the hot place to be. Why? Well, coming off of the Shackleford Banks there inside the hook is where some of the best false albacore fishing is of the year. You know, some places like Florida, they don't really pay much attention to false albacore. They have them, but it's sort of a game fishing bycatch. But for the rest of us, it's just a whole bunch of fun because it's run and gun. There's a lot of action and the reel will be screaming from these little fish. Of course, false albacore bill, as you know, are the smallest of the tuna family and they will put a hurting on the gear. Hey, hey, hey. That's right, Fat Albert, as they are known, regardless of the gender. Hey, can we do those kind of Fat Albert voices these days? Maybe, I don't know how that works with uh, they, with <laughs> Bill Cosby. Anyway, yeah. let's continue on. <laughs> so Fat Alberts and False Albacore, these uh, fish, uh, you know, in the southern o- Outer Banks, which, you know, like you said, Cape Lookout, Harker's Island, all throughout there, more 
specifically with a fly rod um, because these fish are chasing bait and they're close to the surface. That's right. Yeah, and so, you know, false albacore, like most of their uh, tuna relatives, don't have a swim bladder. So they have to always be in motion, and that's part of why they are such good swimmers. They're shaped like torpedoes, and they really can go fast. And so the kind of tackle we take for false albacore is very similar to what we take for much larger fish like permit, tarpon, other species, because they're just so strong. They're kind of like uh, Oscar de la Hoya or other welterweight fighters. They really have just a tremendous amount of muscle. It's the fastest accelerating fish in our waters this time of year. Um, so you have to keep your hand away from the, the spinning reel and the line because it really does take it. So, uh, yeah, not having a swim bladder is a big deal there, which also means that uh, weather systems are a little less uh, effectual on them. So in a low-pressure system, like, like when a storm is coming in, uh, fish will feed more aggressively, but then because of their air bladders, they're going to drop down deeper. The false albacore will only be doing that to follow food. But because they don't have that swim bladder, they're less affected by it, but because dinner got relocated, they're going to they're gonna move. Um, so, you know, we've had some low-pressure systems recently. We've had some nor'easters blowing in, which meant last week or two weeks ago down on the coast, um, that with high tides, maybe even a king tide, caused some low-level flooding in, in our coastal areas, um, not because of a named storm, not because of a hurricane, but tides, pressure systems, it all affects the fishing as well. So how is the fishing? Does that mean you're just closer inshore? And I, I know you're heading out there, but uh, you've talked to a lot of people mm -hmm. and uh, have heard from a lot of people about what you're about to expect. Yeah, so what we would want to see is kind of those medium pressure systems, kind of normal-ish days, uh, cooler weather and winds out of the east and northeast to keep things cooler and to push more of the fish toward the bait. Uh, winds from the south and the southeast or southwest bring too, just a little too much pressure and a little too much uh, warmth, which kind of pushes the fish farther from the coast because that's where they're chasing uh, bait, which could be you know minnows, menhaden, silver sides, that kind of thing, um, which may mean that we target a different species that day. But these these strong winds do bring rougher weather or water conditions. The fish don't really care that much about that, but the anglers certainly do. Hey, this is always fun to talk to you about this because you've got a brother who's a, a big fisherman, especially in the salt water. Your son has gone before, your dad has gone, mm -hmm. that sort of, uh, those sorts of trips and outings. Uh, remind us and uh, the listener of the Carolina Outdoors, how do you spot these fish? You use birds, mm. you use just visual, they're the fish, let's go, shrimp, boats, yeah. that sort of thing? Yeah, you're, uh, you're looking for kind of um, boiled over water. So, you know, a couple months back, Bill, we talked to James Bice about uh, permit and tarpon fishing and looking for nervous water and what that is. We're not looking for nervous water, we're looking for agitated water. So um, if you think about sort of a placid, calm day in the water and then... Uh, eruptions of, of white. So this is going to look like the water is blowing up and that's because these schools of the constantly moving aggressive fish are feeding and they're blowing up the surface. And if you don't see that, you'll see birds diving down trying to get those bait fish that 
are trying to get away from the albacore or the false albacore. Um, and if that's not working, um, one of the kind of the, the angler tricks is to follow a shrimp boat. <laughs> yes. You know, so if all else fails, follow a shrimp boat. Get, get in his kind of uh, his dirty water and, and watch what's going to happen. You're going to catch a fish back there for sure. Well, it's funny to watch because uh, this is a community yeah. of anglers that will be out there. So you're not by yourself. People have radios and they let each other know, hey, we've got fish over here. Hey, we've got fish over there. And and then off you go. Yeah, and you can you can watch it and you can see what happens and people you're you you end up being in close proximity to folks, especially if you have uh, fish on, even more so if it's on a fly rod, because you are having to be a little bit more mindful of how we interact with our gear and the fish. So you might be motoring around other boats perhaps dozens of other boats, and people will move for you. It's, it's pretty unique here in the Outer Banks, especially in the Cape Lookout area, how uh, community-minded everybody is. That's not always the case when we put a bunch of anglers or boaters together, um, and they'll cheer you on, and they'll, they'll celebrate with the pictures, and you know, come over and ask what you were using, and give you congratulations, especially if it's a new angler, or if it's one of our really seasoned kind of veterans who maybe is kind of in the winter of their fishing days, People love to see that, uh, so you will get cheers kind of from the peanut gallery. And along those lines, built the peanut gallery, there is this fun story of Lefty Cray, the, the famous fly angler going down there years ago and showing up to fish with a uh, three or four foot tall bag of popcorn. You remember what those were like from a long time ago, that oh, big yes. bag of popcorn, and the guides didn't know what he was doing. They'd motor away from the crowd, and he would throw some popcorn out in the water and tell them just to you know, ease the boat away and all of a sudden birds start diving on the popcorn and all other boats inside the hook would start moving <laughs> in that direction because that's where the fish were and Lefty would move away and catch a fish somewhere else. So, you know, people are paying attention to what's going on and the guides are on the radios and the locals are on the radios. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a full day, but you're always doing something. We're talking false albacore here on the Carolina Outdoors. Bill Barty on this side, Wes Lawson. We are in the fly shop at Jesse Brown's. And because of that, we're coming at this from a fly angler's point of view. With that being said, Wes, what do you do with these fish? Is this a catch and release game or do you eat these things? This is this is the ideal game fish because we are catching and we are releasing. We're not eating these fish. They're generally considered not a very tasty fish at all. So we're taking the picture and then you are, you're throwing them back in and you're not gently letting them go. These guys have to be moving. <laughs> so you get the hook out and you basically throw them face first or nose first back in the water like you're uh, spiking a football almost and they will swim away fast. Um, so yeah, we don't have to worry nearly as much about depleting this fish. We need to be worried about depleting the fish they are pursuing. So the minnows, silver sides, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, uh, which are the foundation in, a, in many cases of the fishery. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to a fishing report back on the other side mm -hmm. of this trip to the southern Outer, outer Banks, uh, Cape Lookout, uh, Harker's Island, that whole area. And of course, we're gonna continue the pursuit of getting more fly fisher people out into the Carolina outdoors.